Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Lows to Highs, Going Inwards and Growing Up. It has been a minute, hasn't it? I just want to first off apologize. I have not been consistent on here and I'm so sorry. Life has just gotten in the way and every day I'm like, okay, I want to record a podcast episode and then I'll get my mic out and then I'm like, I don't even know what to talk about. And I've been kind of in like a creative rut when it comes to this podcast, but I love doing it. Um, But I'm being kind to myself and I'm allowing myself to feel that creative stuckness and I'm just going to be there with it. Whatever. We're here today. Um, I will talk very briefly about what's coming from EC Anu. So if you guys are familiar with the products that I sell, I have a digital e-journal to help discover yourself. I sell phone affirmation phone backgrounds, and I also have merch on my website. So like sweatshirts, sweatpants. So over the past six months, I have been working on a new project, which is going to be basically an extension of my Instagram page. Um, If you like my words and you like my poetry, then I think you're going to be really excited about what is coming. I'm not ready to share any details yet, um, but it it has been a long time coming and it has been a dream of mine since I was 16 years old. And this dream had always been buried within my heart and every day I would wake up thinking about it, but I didn't feel ready to go after it up until like six months ago so long story short there's a lot of newness coming with ECA new and personally with with me and so I posted this on my story a few days ago but I am no longer going to be selling my merch and so I don't want any of the pieces to go out of to go to waste and I have about like 25 pieces in total left over so Everything is 50% off, all clearance. If you if it resonates with you, go check it out. Essentially, all of the pieces were designed to help promote living in the present moment through the through the designs and the the message on each piece. Um, so check it out if it feels in alignment. Everything is sustainably made. It's recycled cotton. They're very comfortable, like so, so comfy. I wear them 24-7 and I'm so happy with the things that I created. I just am now shifting my focus and pivoting into something that means a lot more and is is rooted in my purpose. So I will share more updates on what is coming, but I feel like you guys probably have a hint as to what this next chapter, pun intended, holds. (laughs) Okay, I'm sounding like an annoying YouTuber or influencer who's like, oh my god, I have like this new thing coming, but I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. So sorry for being like that. But anyways, if if you're interested in my merch, go check it out. It's at ecnu.com, I-C-I-E-T-N-U.com. And with that, let's get into this episode because I've been rambling. If you're still here, love you, appreciate you. What are your top everyday well-being tips? So for me, 
two non-negotiables in my life at least i think these are the tools sorry three non-negotiables which are the tools that have truly transformed my mind and the connection i have with myself and have really allowed me to evolve into my higher self the first is meditation for the past three months i would say i have been meditating for about six years consistently it first started off like using the Headspace app. And now for the past three months, I've been doing Joe Dispenza's meditations for 25 minutes in the morning. Super powerful. It really just allows me to disconnect from my mind and really connect with my body and also just visualize the type of life I want to live. And then once I get out of the meditation, I feel inspired or excited or ready to actually bring those things into my life. So Meditation is number one. Number two is some sort of movement. I, for me, what works with my body and my mind are is the combination of Pilates and going on a daily walk for an hour. I, no matter how tired I am, no matter how low I feel, no matter how busy I am, I always try to move my body for at least 10 minutes. So I'll do like a 10 minute ab series or an arm series. Obviously some days that looks like a 35 minute full body Pilates session. But even if I don't do like an actual quote workout, I will always go on a walk. Even if I'm like, come on Karin, just go walk for 15 minutes and that's it. And you can come back home and you could go back on your couch being a lazy piece of shit. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but and usually what happens is I'll be on my walk and I'm like, wow, this feels so good. Look at me moving my body. And then it'll turn into an hour. But I think for me, movement just allows me to connect with my body and just gives me the opportunity to feel stronger mentally, physically. Um, obviously it, it makes you just it releases endorphins, so you inherently will feel good after you move your body in some sorts. The reason why I go on a walk every day is because, especially when I'm working from home, I just need a change of scenery, and it gives me the opportunity to catch up on podcasts or listen to new music or call a friend. It just kind of allows me to do things while moving my body. So those are two of them. And then my last... um, well-being tip is gratitude journal. I have been doing this for about three years and not only has it allowed me to enjoy the practice of actually writing down things that I'm grateful for, it honestly has allowed me to be more grateful throughout my day. Because if in the morning I'm writing down three things that I'm grateful for, throughout the day when I'm out and about or when I'm working or when I'm with my friends, my mind and my heart are just more open to noticing the rest of the beautiful things in my life and looking at everything through a grateful lens. So it's really like a point of view shift that it has allowed me to do. And I think um, it just has really allowed me to be a more passionate, open-hearted, kind, grateful soul that we all should strive to be. So those are my top three things that are part of my daily practice that have really shaped the mindset that I currently hold. Um, the next question is, 
how to find time to do or discover what you love. So I feel like part of this question kind of touches on this idea of finding your purpose um, or discovering what your purpose is in life. For me, I mean, it's kind of obvious, but like for me, I feel like my purpose in this life is to be a writer and a creator. And that is exactly what I'm doing today. Um, and I think the way that you discover it is just going back to who you were as a child or as a teenager and thinking about what things purely bring you joy. Like if you were never going to be paid to do something or if you, if someone told you you could do one thing for the rest of your life and you wouldn't get paid for it and no one would recognize you for it, but it was purely for yourself, what would that look like? So my answer would be writing. Like, I don't care if I get paid for it. I don't care if, you know, no one knows about it. I do it for myself. And that's what brings me the most joy. For me, that also looks like painting. I love to paint. I love just like getting my hands dirty and just creating things out of nothing. So I think first is like going back to when you were a child, what things did you enjoy doing when you were in your room alone? What did you look forward to creating time for? What made you excited? And getting back into those things without the intention of like trying to monetize on it or become anything from it, but purely just to get back into your creative spirit or just kind of letting your inner child play. And I think like, Discovering what you love is a lot of trial and error. I am who I am today and I do what I do today because I have tried so many things in my life that didn't work out. I found there's that Tom Edison, Thomas Edison quote, which I think is probably one of the greatest quotes that we should all be living our lives with, is um, someone had asked him about his missteps um, and he said, I have not failed 10,000 times. I've successfully found 10,000 ways that will not work, which I think is a brilliant quote. And I think if we all shift our perspective into thinking like that, we will be kinder to ourselves and we'll view that whole path and journey of finding your purpose or discovering what you love with more excitement than stress. So for me, I used to be a fashion blogger. I used to have a t-shirt brand. I have done so many things. Even just like when I was in college, I took so many different classes. I changed my major three times. I had so many different types of internships in various industries, but they all taught me what I didn't want to do. And it also shined a light on the things that I enjoy doing and what I'm good at. And here I am today. So I think it's just really allowing yourself to try new paths. And if something doesn't work out, not feeling stressed about it, but more so feeling excitement because now you know what you don't want to do. And now you have a clear lens in terms of what you might be good at doing or might really enjoy doing. And then the question of how to find time so I saw this quote on Tumblr years ago, probably like a decade ago, honestly, and it has stuck with me throughout my life. And the quote was like, if it's important enough, you will find a way. And if it's not, you will find an excuse. So when I think back to my life, 
When I had a fashion blog, it wasn't monetizing and I always came up with excuses as to why it wasn't monetizing. Like, I'm not getting that many likes on Instagram or like no one's really reading the blog posts or this and that. But in reality, I just wasn't putting in the energy or the effort to make it monetize. And the reason for that was because my heart wasn't fully in it. Like I realized over time that I didn't want to be a fashion blogger. Like that wasn't what I envisioned my destiny to look like. And then when I was in college, I had a t-shirt brand and it was kind of like the same thing where it was really fun and I enjoyed doing it and I loved the process. But soon after I stopped promoting it and I stopped, you know, sharing it and it wasn't monetizing and I kept coming up with excuses as to why it wasn't working when in reality my heart again wasn't in it. Now when it comes to my podcast and ECNU and my brand and my Instagram page and whatnot, it truly brings me so much joy that I find a way to make it work within my busy schedule. Like I have a full-time job, this isn't it, and I'm so tired, I'm so busy throughout the week, but this part of my life brings me so much joy and excitement and it allows me to just be like a creative spirit that I find a way to make it work. So I think just asking yourself whether you're making up excuses as to why you don't have time for anything else is is if that's getting in the way or if what you are trying to find time for is actually something that you in your heart don't fully care about. You know, I think that might, if you ask yourself that question, it might help you figure out why that whole time factor is a thing. Because let's be real, we all have time. Our screen time on our phone is all super high. So we have the time. We just come up with excuses as to why we don't. Um, And I think it's just taking a step back and rethinking how you're leveraging the 24 hours you have each day. And making sure that you are creating space for things that fuel you and make you excited and remove whatever does not serve you. The next question is on manifestation. My view on manifestation is that we constantly, every single day, are manifesting things. Whether we are aware of it or not, everything in life is energy. So what you pour into is what you will get back and you must select wisely. When it comes to manifesting a certain thing or a person or an experience, I feel like the reason why a lot of us are not manifesting certain things is because of two reasons. One, we think, you know, we write an affirmation down and we repeat it in the mirror three times a day and we think like magically a thing will pop up in our life or will manifest that thing. But in reality, your energy needs to be in in accordance with the vibration of the thing that you are seeking. So how do you do that? You embody the type of person you would be if you already had that thing or that experience or whatever it looks like. So it's in the way you think, it's in the way you act, it's in the way you speak, the way you walk, the way your energy is, the way your outlook on life is, all the different things. And you must bring that person into existence in the now and believe that you are worthy enough in attaining that thing that you are trying to manifest. And I think the second part of that is self-trust and belief. Often when we're trying to manifest something, there is a subconscious belief that we are not worthy of it or that it won't work out or that it's impossible for this thing to come to life. 
But when you surrender and your intentions are pure and you believe in yourself and your powers, you don't think in that way. You inherently trust that the universe has your back and that you are worthy of achieving or attaining that thing. And so when it comes to manifestation, it all stems down to the deep-rooted beliefs that you have of yourself and the way in which you show up in this world. And so once you change or evolve your beliefs from a lack mentality into an abundant mentality, and once you act in accordance with the vibration that you are seeking, that's when things will be brought to you. I also will say though, like presence is really key for manifestation because often we are manifesting things, but we are so living in the past or the future that we miss out on the good stuff that we have brought into our life. And so we must be present enough to witness those types of miracles that are constantly being brought into our life. And once you are aware of that, and once you are present, you will realize there's so much to already be grateful for. And so having that grateful mindset and belief is also really key in my mind. Someone asked, how do you deal with life when things don't go your way? Um, you know, my mindset about this has really shifted over the past year. And I just now have come to terms with the fact that everything happens as it should. Every person that you meet, every experience that you have, every low moment, every heartbreak, every lover, every job, like everything happens in a way that it should. And it's like even the question of like when things don't go your way, when you talk about quote your way, essentially that is you having control over an outcome. And so the first step is to release your grip because sometimes we don't get what we want, but we get what we need. And we don't know that until it happens. Or we don't know that until months later when we're like, oh, like that's why that happened in the way that it did. So yes, of course, there are moments where like things don't work out or you're frustrated by an outcome of something. But instead of looking at it of like, oh my God, no, it should have been like this or... Um, why didn't it happen in the way that I wanted to? You just need to be open to understanding what the lesson is from that experience or being open to what the future may hold that you mentally didn't even think about. And that I think is when life gets exciting. So just accept each moment as it is. Keep your heart open. Believe that everything truly does happen as it should. And I will also say, like, when you think back on your entire life, you have gotten through everything. Like, we all have. And obviously, when things don't go your way, you're so, you're upset or you're sad or you're frustrated. But you have to trust that it's all happening for you in the way that it is. And so, one day soon, you'll be able to connect all the dots Obviously, in the present moment, you might not feel that this page of your story makes any sense. But once you get through to the next chapter, that will all unravel. And so I think it's just being grateful for, for what you are experiencing and shifting your perspective that to the fact that everything happens for you, not to you. 
and just trusting that when things don't go as planned or in your way. And I will also say like the best things in life truly are unexpected. Like when things happen out of nowhere that you didn't plan for, that you didn't even think about, those serendipitous moments that are unexpected, those are the moments that bring the most value into your life. So get excited for that. Someone asked how to tap into your independence. I like this question. So I have always been an independent person. I think that's just something that's inherent in me. But you can become someone who is independent. And I think the first step to that is just really getting to know yourself and spending a lot of time in solitude doing things that bring you joy. And, and the reason why I think that's really important is that when you hang out with yourself or you take yourself out on a date or you go to a concert alone and really get to know who you are, what you like, what you enjoy, what you're good at, what you don't have time for, what, you, what does not resonate with you, you can walk through this earth with the utmost certainty of who you are. And when you do that, you will be ready to handle anything that comes your way and not feel the need to depend on other people. Often the reason why we are so dependent is because we don't trust ourselves enough to handle whatever comes in our way. And so in my mind at least, independence is rooted in this notion of purely trusting yourself and your intuition and your instincts and and walking on a path that you paved for yourself on your own. The next question is how to not care about opinions of others and about validation. So I've written a lot about this on my Instagram page, so definitely go scroll through because I talk a lot about self-worth. And the thing is, if we do care about other people's opinions or validations, essentially we have given our power to others. And so the first thing is to build your self-worth. And how you do that is by detaching from other people. So one thing that I no longer do is I no longer ask for advice from people. I no longer care about other people's opinions unless I have sat with myself for enough time and really tried to dissect and understand my feelings or emotions or try to come up with a solution for a problem that I'm facing. And if I come to the point where I'm like, okay, I trust myself, I know myself, but now would be a good time to get an external opinion, then I will go to someone. But for the most part, I just trust myself. And the only validation you need is from yourself. So how to not care about what other people's opinions are? It's it's as simple as the fact that like no one knows you better than you know yourself. Why would you place more weight on the opinion of someone who only sees a fraction of your entire life or the problem or the situation that you are going them to for? They only see a glimpse of it and they only see a perception of it. Whereas you know the full story, you know the full spectrum of the emotions associated with it, the feelings associated with it. And so when you go to someone for their opinion on something, they are only gonna be giving their opinion on the part of the story that they are aware of. And unless you tell them every angle of it, their opinion is gonna be biased. So 
my recommendation is like place your trust on yourself and when you do that even when you do end up asking someone for their opinion on something you'll know right away if you will if you feel in alignment with what they're telling you and if you feel like you agree with them then that just kind of like validates your intuition a little bit more and if you don't agree with them then you have the opportunity to really trust your instincts and when that happens that's like you're free you know you're you have your own power and then the thing with validation is like when you place your worth on things that are outside of you you are essentially placing your worth on things that fluctuate and when that happens the perception of yourself fluctuates so like when you place your validation on a job or on money or your status or you know the things that you possess all of those things throughout life will change. You'll lose your job or you'll you'll break up with your boyfriend or you'll lose some money or you won't be living in an abundant lifestyle and then that per- the perception you have of yourself also lowers. So the way you don't attach yourself and your self-worth to external things outside of you and instead attach your worth to who you are as a person, your character, your personality, your traits, your your mindset, the things that are inherent and intrinsic within you, that's how you kind of let go of this feeling of needing to be validated by someone else or something else. Someone else asked how to set healthy boundaries. I just feel like you need to tell people what you expect from them or like what you deserve. I think it's I believe that like in order to set a healthy boundary with someone new or somewhat something new, you do it right in the beginning because how what you show in the beginning of any relationship or any experience is how people are going to rem- remember you as. It's kind of like a first impression. So if you don't set healthy boundaries from the beginning, then it's really hard to shift that later on because a person is going to be used to a version of you that never had those boundaries and then as far as like what are healthy boundaries well that looks different to everyone so i think it's just getting to know yourself and being really clear on what you will tolerate and what you will not tolerate and if someone doesn't respect that then walk away you know if someone's not respecting your boundaries and what value are they really adding into your life or you might have to ask yourself like is this person lowering my energy or building it up? Like, is this person serving me or is it, or are they draining me? And that's how you can determine whether someone respects you in that way or not. Someone else asked, can you talk about healthy work habits or routines? So one thing about me is that my mornings are really, really critical for my mental health. And so for me, a non-negotiable is having a really strong morning foundation because it kind of just sets the the tone for the rest of the day. So if I start off in the morning and I meditate and I do my gratitude journal and I move my body, by the time I'm ready to, to actually start working, I feel great internally and my energy is aligned. And so I feel like I'm prepared for what the day holds. So I would suggest like starting off your day on a positive high note, doing whatever it is that fuels you and is a practice that is in resonance with you. So that might look like meditation, that might look like breath work, that might be like 
some sort of movement. It might just mean whatever that looks like to you. And creating space for it and carving out a chunk of time for yourself in the morning before you start your job. And then another thing that I have started to do a lot more recently, honestly, is just block off my calendar for like work time. And what I mean by that is like, we can all just be in this endless world of meetings and emails and this and that, and just people like constantly reaching out to you. So I block off my calendar for like an hour if I really need to like get shit done so that no one could schedule meetings during that, like, I don't want to say like study time, but like just like my focus time. That's what I was looking for. So I block off my calendar for an hour, 30 minutes, and that's when I like get my shit done, especially when I have a really crazy day. Um, I also think just setting boundaries with work, like, you know, we can, we all have our phones attached to our hips, so we can respond to an email instantly. We can get bombarded by people instantly. And it's just like knowing when you need to plug out and not feeling ashamed to do so. Like we are not made to work 24 seven. Um, an email could wait, a text could wait, a phone call could be returned the following day, unless it's like live or die, which let's be real, how often is that? Um, setting healthy boundaries is really critical for your mental health. Otherwise, you're just going to be in this like never ending rat race of like doing one thing and then going to the next and not even taking in what you're actually doing. Um, so yeah. So someone asked how to really let go of someone. So this is really hard, right? Because especially if you had a really beautiful relationship with someone, or even if you didn't have a legitimate relationship with them, people leave a mark on your soul and you know it's hard to really detach from someone who played a role in your life but i think the battle that we face when trying to let go of someone is trying to figure out whether we should listen to our hearts or our minds and like that's what leads to us overthinking things or spiraling or making excuses or closing our hearts or just like being stuck in this never-ending loop of sadness and and grief but I think what is key like what really helps you let go of someone is not choosing between your mind or your heart it's it's simply using both by surrendering so it's like coming to terms with the fact that the person that you are trying to detach from was just a supporting role in the book of your life. And it's like, although we want people to stay forever forever, and we want feelings to be held until we die, like that's not the reality. Some people are only in our lives for a specific season or just to teach us something or just to show us something or to allow us to have really beautiful experiences. Um, But it's just coming to terms with the fact that maybe this person was merely that supporting role in this chapter of your life. So it's like allowing your your mind to say, you know, this person's going to hold a special place within me, but then your heart saying like, yes, but there's more out there. So it's like listening to both and really hearing what your mind and your heart both know to be true and not judging one or the other or not 
trying to focus on just one. It's really just using both to surrender. Because when you surrender, you basically are trusting the universe or trusting God that whatever else comes into your life is going to be greater for you. And that might mean you return the love that you had for them back to yourself and you invest that energy back into you, which is a beautiful thing. Or you are introduced to someone else who is just 20 times more extraordinary or the person that you actually want to be with or someone that's going to treat you the way that you deserve to be treated. And so when you surrender, you're basically opening yourself up to the possibility that there's something better out there for you. And you could either linger on the same page that you're, you know, overthinking or you're you're trying not to flip over to, or you could surrender and see what the next chapter holds, which is when life gets exciting. Also, one other thing that I have really learned when it comes to letting go is like not only do you have to grieve this person that you are trying to let go, but you are also grieving the version of you that existed with that person. And whether it was a toxic relationship or if it was a beautiful one, you are not just letting them go, but you're letting your old self go too. And you are creating space for a new version of yourself that is more lovable, more kind, more compassionate, more open, you know, someone who doesn't settle, someone who um, doesn't take emotional baggage that isn't serving them, someone who doesn't accept the bare minimum anymore. So it's kind of like letting go of the identity of yourself as well. And I think when you shift your perspective to that, I feel like it'll make you more excited to see what is in store for you and then this is the last question how to build your own space from scratch so i'm assuming this person is you, some of you guys have seen my apartment i kind of post about it on my instagram page a few times um i would say i have spent so much time on architectural digest <laughs> reading the magazines reading the coffee table book watching the home tours on YouTube um, and just really getting a sense of what kind of space my eye is drawn to and it's really hard to like move into a new apartment or move out move into a new home and have everything figured out but I think it's really just thinking of like what kind of vibe and energy you want and what kind of feeling you want your home to give off So for me, like I really wanted a calm space that felt very earthy and clean and minimal. Like I didn't want any clutter. I didn't want vibrant colors. I wanted a very neutral, organic, earthy, balanced space. Um, And so I think it's great to to first kind of figure out your color palette that you are going for and what kind of feeling you want your space to evoke. And then just spending a lot of time browsing online based off that. And I, one thing that really helped me was like, I didn't buy everything all at once, but I kind of like kept tabs of things that I, pieces that I loved. And I kind of just like mentally put them together in my space before I moved into my apartment. I actually did create a presentation on Keynote 
to like see what my space would look like all together with all the pieces that I wanted. But it helped me kind of figure out, do the tones match? Do the fabrics match? Does this wood match the floor of my apartment? Or is it too light or is it too dark? Um, yeah, and I also think like starting from scratch, you don't have to have it all ready right when you move into your new space. Um, like I still don't have my office finished yet and I still don't even have my bed. So that's a whole story for another time. But um, yeah, I feel like it just kind of like, just keep yourself inspired, go on Pinterest, go on Tumblr, go on Instagram, see what resonates with you, take screenshots, screenshots, save them in a folder, kind of create a, basically create a mood board, create a vision board, create a mood board, and then look up pieces specifically for what you are looking for. And one thing that really did help me, I will say, is starting with the bigger pieces and then accessorizing. Accessorizing, I feel like, is the last thing that I did just because that can go on forever and I just wanted my big pieces and kind of I worked around that. So like I got a really nice, beautiful white couch and I got a light brown coffee table and I got like a gray oak dining table and everything just kind of looked really clean all together. And then my accessories were where I had a bit more pops of color and the earthier tones and whatnot. Um, but it really helped just having those foundational big pieces set so that I could kind of put the rest of it together. So that those are all the questions I'm going to be answering today. If you guys liked this format, send me a DM or send me a message because I've never done it in this Q&A form way. I usually just do like one topic, but I actually like this because I feel like I was able to talk about a lot of different things and not just one topic for 45 minutes. So let me know what you think. If you like this episode, please follow, subscribe, share it with your friends if you feel like they might benefit from it. Um, tag me if you post about this episode. And yeah, thank you guys for listening. Love you. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.